uh, and all. But I'd like Brother Hanson to please come. Uh, Brother Hanson and his family are uh, a North American missionary, and they are digging out a work in the heart of Baltimore, and I'll let him tell you more. But I want to welcome Sister Hanson and the children with us today. May the Lord richly bless you. I welcome everyone from, that are here today. May the Lord richly bless you. We welcome our online guests as well, and those that are a part of the church that are online, we welcome you too. Uh, but just, there's something about being in the house. There's something about being in the house. Amen. There's something about being in fellowship. There's something about being able to come together where the power of God is moving. Amen. So we welcome our online guests to please come in and be a part of our service. And we're looking forward to great moves. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to speak this because it is prophetic. God gave me the, the word that the prodigals were coming back. And I want you to know they're coming back, but they're not going to look like what they looked like before they left. They're not going to be the same. There's some twisted stuff going on, but God, <laughs> but my Lord and my Savior is going to transform them. There's going to be a regeneration. There's going to be a reuniting of the Holy Ghost. They're going to be transformed in Jesus Christ. So just in case they don't look like you, as shepherd and pastor, I want you to know I don't really care that they don't look like you. I don't care that they don't dress like you. I don't care that they don't talk like you. When they come into this house, I don't care if they're related to you. I don't care if they're blood. I don't care how you're connected to them. You best not say nothing out of order. They're coming back because our Savior has given us a prophetic word that the, that the prodigals are coming back. We need to let the Holy Ghost and Jesus transform them. Not you, not I, not anybody but Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the preacher, but Brother Hans is going to deliver the word. I just got to tell you, we got good things coming. I want you to not get crossed. Great things are coming. Revival is here. I believe it in Jesus' name. This church cannot contain those that are coming back. We will have to go to two and three services. I'm not worried about how we'll handle it. But here's what Jesus did at the cross. He didn't die like this. He died like this. For all mankind. Receiving all of us. There's some things that God will have to work out. There's some things that my mind has to be okay with until God gets it right. But I'm going to be in Jesus and the Holy Ghost uh, letting God work it out. I'm going to love them like Jesus loves them. I'm... Woo. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to have you, Brother Hanson. I'm sorry for that kind of an introduction, but it's good to have uh, Reverend Aaron and Takia and with us today. They will be ministering next weekend. We love you. Thank you for being with us today. Brother Hanson, please. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for the, the introduction. I'm, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> I'm thankful for what God is doing, and I'm, I'm thankful for the honored privilege just to be with you, to Amen. worship with you. Thank you, Brother Reynolds, for supporting us as we're working in Baltimore. Amen. Amen. Um, so um, I, I'm thankful for what God is doing. It's a it's a process that God is taking me through as much as he is the people that I'm reaching to in Baltimore. But I'm thankful that God is not finished with what he started. I'm thankful that it's only the beginning because God works that way. <clears throat> Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to take you to the book of Micah, 
chapter number 4, verse number 6 and 7. There's a lot of different things that I could preach. Um, I do have more than one sermon that I've preached in my life, so... Uh, but I felt like this is what God wanted me to say today, and so we're going to just follow the Holy Ghost. In Micah chapter number 4, verses 6 and 7, the prophet is speaking it up. For those of you that may not understand the context, Micah was a prophet in the time when the children of Israel had been put into bondage because of their own backsliding. There had been judgment because of the rejecting of the word of God and uh, and uh, the, the nation of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon had come and had taken everything that was of value out of that nation of Israel. Anything that they thought that could better them, anything that they thought was valuable in any way, they took it uh, and they took it back to their own nation in the middle of all of the, the leftovers, all that was uh, that was just, uh, uh, you know, passed over by anybody else. Uh, God gave this word and he said, uh, the Lord said, in that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. Uh, I will gather the outcast uh, and those whom I have afflicted. Uh, I will make the lame a remnant. Uh, and the outcast a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now even forever. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful, God, for your word and your promises, God. And I'm just asking that there would be a revelation of your spirit to flow in this house today, God. That, Lord, you would put faith, you would put hope, you would put expectation in this house tonight, God, this morning, Lord. That you would transform eyes by the power of your spirit. I am so thankful for the work that you are doing that no one else can do. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Would you worship him one more time? Just clap your hands. I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. You can be seated. You know, I don't know about you, but one of my worst memories in school was being the last guy picked to play kickball. And everybody gets sent and they have to stand against the backstop. I don't know if you can identify with this kind of thing. And they, they Everybody stands against the backstop and everybody there's two captains they're the, the best they're the people that have the best skills and I just hated it that I was picked last. I wasn't picked every time, thank goodness. But there's a bad feeling when you're standing against that uh, that uh, that backstop and, uh, and 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 they pick one after another and uh, you're just waiting to be called and you end up being the last one picked on the for the team because you just happen to be the one that evened out the numbers but nobody really wanted you to be on their team that's what a remnant is how many of you would like I don't know what you call this, but we call this from Oregon the heel of the loaf of bread. It's the it's just the end of the uh, this. Uh, to be honest, uh, I I don't know that I've ever I, I've ate the heel of the loaf of bread very few times in my life. Uh, usually, uh, in our house, we throw away uh, the heel of the loaf of bread. Uh, we don't we don't even eat the loaf uh, the, the the end of that bread, uh, and 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 that's uh, the remnant. Uh, when you get down to uh, the crumbs uh, at the bottom of the chip bag. You know, and uh, and we're not talking about Cool Ranch or something that's got flavor, uh, but uh, but but the the bottom.
bottom of the bag of ruffle or potato chips, plain potato chips. When you get to that bottom and all that's left is just the little crumbs, you just, I don't know about you, but I just throw it away because there's just nothing of value left when you get to the bottom of that bag. And that's the remnant that we're talking about. You see, when God showed up on the scene and he spoke through his prophet Micah, he was speaking through the prophet to, to people that were the leftovers. They were, uh, they weren't, uh, they weren't popular. Uh, they weren't uh, valuable to society. Uh, you know, when they came through, uh, they would literally look for the educated, and they would take the educated. Uh, they would look for those that strong and they would take the strong they would look for the young and they would take the young and they took them all and they would they would chain them up and they march them for a thousand miles to babylon and all that was left of the city was the ruins before they left they took all the gold they took anything of value and then they they broke down the, the the walls of the city and broke down the 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 the, the temple walls and they burned them with fire and they walked out saying there's nothing worthwhile left in this city anything that's worth anything i've already taken it and so there's nothing left but the rejects and into the middle of that situation god stepped in by his prophet and he said out of the remnant I am going to make a great nation he was looking at people that didn't have anything left to offer society he was looking at people that they didn't have any strength they didn't have any money they didn't they weren't even necessarily the smartest people in the crowd and yet god said i am looking for a remnant so that i can make of them a great nation today i believe that god wants to remind you and i today that when we look at our lives and when we look at other people's lives and we want to measure things out and say this is valuable and this is not this is a small group of people and so if it's small it can't be powerful it can't be valuable this person doesn't have anything to offer and really the honest truth is that when i look at myself i'm harder on myself than other people now, I, I pray to God that we get the right balance. I, I could say that that's, uh, um, uh, you know, a good quality to look at yourself harder than you look at other people. But that's only true to a certain degree. The reality is, is that God today is in this room wanting to adjust the way that you and I look at, at ourselves and the way we look at other people because I've got news for you that we have a God that he takes special interest in finding the remnant or finding the weak finding the poor finding the not so smart finding those that don't have any advantages in life and God looks for those people and he says I want those that nobody else wants because I can do something that nobody else can do I can take something that has nothing and I can make something out of it we serve a God that he does not look at people the way that we look at them he doesn't look at situations the way that we look at them and I am so grateful for that because if he looked at people the way that we look at people uh, most of us wouldn't be in this room today uh, but I am thankful that God uh, looks at the remnant uh, and he says I am going to make something great uh, out of something uh, that has no value in the eyes of man that's the way God works I'm so thankful for that 
The Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter number 16 the story of when God chose David to be king over Israel. And so God sends his prophet Samuel and says, go to, to this man and I want you to look at his sons because I'm going to anoint one of them to be king over Israel. And so he, he calls all of them, the man calls all of his sons before him. And Samuel looks at each of them as they come one by one. And the firstborn comes. And the Bible says that Samuel the prophet, the man of God, says, Oh, this man, he's, he's strong. He's good looking. Surely this is the one that God wants. And God said to Samuel, Nope, that's not the one. And then the next came by. And the next, and seven sons come before Samuel. And, and God says, no. And Samuel's like, wait a minute. What's going on? And so he turns to the man and he says, do you have any other sons? And Jesse's his father. And Jesse says, oh, that's right. I do have one more. He's out back. He's watching sheep. He's unimportant. He's dispensable. And Samuel says, bring him. Because we're not going to sit down till he comes. And as soon as this boy, this young man that has been passed over comes, God says, that's the one. Because God says this to Samuel. He says in verse 7 of Samuel 16, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on on his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart I'm so thankful that God is looking at your heart He's looking at my heart and he's looking at the hearts of those that are outside the doors of the church house already right now. And he does not value you and I the way that God values us. I'm so thankful for that because only God can take something that has nothing left inside of it and he can produce something powerful, something beautiful something of value that's the way our god works throughout the scriptures you can see it time and time again when you look in the word of god that god chooses the underdog God chooses the rejects. When you look at Gideon, Gideon said, I'm the least in my father's house, and my father's house is the least in our tribe. He saw himself as nothing, and God said, I'm going to use that man to make a deliverance come to pass. And then when Gideon has 30,000 men, and God says, no, that's too many. And so he divides twice and Till there's only 300. What am I saying? What is the Lord saying today? He's saying that whether you are looking at your situation based on what you have, how much you have, how many people are in the church house today, or whether you're looking at the quality of you have and you're saying do I have the talents do I have the money do I have the smarts in my brain I'm here to remind you that God does not value you and I the way that the world does he's looking for those that will be available to him and he will take it and he'll make something great he'll make something powerful out of something that is nothing there's a it's so important that we grab hold of this uh, because God is about to do something uh, in this last hour uh, that is going to bring about uh, his glory. His glory is going to be known uh, because there's going to be a, a witness uh, of his work uh, of deliverance, uh, of his work uh, of, uh, of salvation, uh, and it's going to be unexplainable any other way uh, than that God uh, is a miracle worker. Uh, 
in any other way but that God is a Savior and that He is the only one that can transform lives. God is about to do something mighty in this last hour, but He's not looking for us to get ourselves all put together with this know-how and the best plans and the best people and the best music. And I'm not against the best of what we can do, but you and I have got to understand that the Holy Ghost is wanting you and I to look at the world and look at ourselves through a different lens than what the world looks at. It's so important that we understand that we have a God that doesn't look at us the way the world does. In fact, when you get to the time of Jesus Christ, when he finally came onto the scene, when God finally robed himself in flesh and walked on this earth, and he began to work, he didn't look for the religious leaders. He looked for fishermen. And he looked for tax collectors that were that were hated by everybody. I don't know about you, but I don't like the IRS. And it was even worse then, because that that, that IRS could cheat you all he wanted to. Matthew could do whatever he wanted with those taxes. He could raise the taxes and take it for himself. He was a traitor. They hated him because he was Jewish, but he didn't follow the law, and he turned his back on his own people. But God looked for a man like Matthew and called him, and he looked for fishermen that were on the sea of Galilee, and he called them, and he looked for a zealot, and he called him. He looked for the rejects. When, uh, when everybody expected uh, that the Messiah would come uh, and would uh, end up uh, uh, recruiting the high priest uh, and would, uh, would have a mighty army, uh, he ended up going uh, to those uh, that were outcasts of society, those uh, that were forgotten by others. Why? Because God uh, wants to show who He really is. And as long... As long as I have confidence in me, as long as I have enough to make it through, then I won't give room for God to work in my life. I won't give room for God to be who He says He is in my life. There's the parable that Jesus spoke of his kingdom. In Luke chapter number 14, he talks about the kingdom of God being like a man whose wedding feast was prepared for his son. And it was finally time for the feast. And so he was wealthy and he sent his servants out. And he said to his servants, go and invite the people that already know. I've already given invitation for this wedding feast. And I want you to go and tell them that the time has come for this wedding feast because they had been waiting in those days they would wait until the man that was to be married had everything prepared to take care of his bride and when everything was prepared they would call to that wedding party and say it's time for the feast and so this wealthy man sent out his servants to all of his friends all of those that were important and said it's time for the feast and one by one as the servants went they went to one and they said it's time for the feast and the individual said oh but I I bought a new piece of property and I've got to go and I've got to check it out so I can't make it to, to the, the feast and another said oh I just got a wife and I just got married and so I don't have time for the feast and another said, I, I just got two yoke of oxen, and I got to go test them out and see how well they do. And so the servants come back to the master, and they say, everybody's too busy. They don't have time for, for this wedding feast. And, and that's the way the kingdom of God is, is that you and I have got to be careful, and we've got to understand that if I have enough possessions to keep me busy about
about my own business. And I have enough to be comfortable and feel like I can provide for myself. Then I'm not going to find God to be my provider when I look at myself as a provider. I'm not going to look at God to find him to be my savior when I feel like I can save myself. There is something that's got to shift in my heart, in your heart, that whether you look at your life and you say, I don't have enough, or I look at my life and I say, I have enough, that something shifts to where my perspective looks through the eyes of eternity. And if I feel like I've got enough to make it, I would realize that what I have is not enough to make it to eternity. And if I feel like I don't have enough, I would realize that God is the only one that supply what I have need of in my life. So the servants came in verse number 21 and they reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servants, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servants said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. You see God was showing us what he was telling us this parable. He was letting them know that the kingdom of God is not going to be filled with people that have plenty of time on their, that have no time on their hands for a, for a relationship with God. The kingdom of God is not going to be filled with wealthy individuals. The kingdom of God is not going to be filled with people that are growing up in church and got comfortable and just felt like I'm going to surf into heaven somehow. Those people don't make it all the way. But God was letting us know that there is room in the kingdom of God for the people that are underqualified. There is room in the kingdom of God for the maimed and the lame and the blind. I'm so thankful for that because that means that anybody that's walking down the streets of the city that you live in is eligible for the kingdom of God. That the special invitation that we would think of that somehow we would be stamped when we were born and God would say this is a chosen one that is extra special. They have the right talents. They've got the right looks and they born in the right family and so they're going to be in my kingdom that's not the way that God works but God is more interested in his house being full than he is in his house having talents He's more interested in the house of the Lord being full than he is on how much, what the financial status is of the church. God is looking at the underdog, the rejected, the broken, and he's saying, I want them in my house. I'm so thankful for that because if it weren't for that, who would be in the kingdom of God? Most of us wouldn't have made it into the kingdom of God. You wouldn't be here today but God is looking and he's saying compel them to come no matter who they are or what they look like God is interested in his house being full I'm so thankful for that I'm so thankful that God is looking for the drug addict on the side of the road as much or more than he is wealthy man that's in the in the penthouse. I'm so thankful that God he'll save the rich but he'll save the poor just as much and the rich are going to have trouble getting into the kingdom well the poor will have an easier route in. Why? Because 
the barriers that we put up as humanity. You see, we have a, a tendency that when uh, when we start getting things together, uh, we start feeling uh, like we don't need God. When my family's put together, I don't have time to pray. But God is saying, listen to me. You've got to flip the, the, the lens around in the way that you look at things and understand that you need me and that your need for me is what qualifies you for my kingdom. That's what makes room for you in my kingdom is that you have a need for me. If you need me, there's opportunity in my kingdom for you. But if you don't need me, you won't find Find your way into my kingdom because I am looking for those that want me. I'm looking for those that can't take care of themselves. I think of the people that that I've ministered to throughout my lifetime and, and the ones that I've seen make it and, and still serving Jesus today. And most of them came from broken homes. Most of the ones that, uh, that are still serving Jesus today uh, from when I grew up uh, in church uh, when I was a child, uh, it, well, I know their stories a little bit, uh, not all of it, but I realize uh, it's those uh, that they had made a mess of their lives. Uh, it was those uh, that were uh, addicted to drugs or, or violent. Uh, uh, I'm not saying it's all them, but it was people uh, that came to the end of themselves uh, and they realized I wasn't enough. And instead of that being a hindrance into the kingdom of God, they recognized that it was an invitation into the kingdom of God. That God was reaching to them through the struggles of their life, through the pain that they were going through and that they had made of themselves. And God was saying, hey, I just want you to be in my kingdom. I just want you to be near to me that's the way that our God looks at you and I today and I, I, I'm excited about the way that God looks at us but I hope that there's also some thinking going on in your mind and in my mind today that we start looking at our own lives and looking at other people's lives you know I can look at my life and other people's lives and I can measure them by my own measurements or I can look at them and measure them the way that God measures them. God is looking at each and every one of us. And at the end of the age, we're going to be measured by God. We're going to be judged by God according to our deeds done in the flesh. What we do with what we have, God is going to measure us out by that. He's going to look at our lives and He's going to divide the sheep from the goats. He's going to divide those that are part of His kingdom from those that aren't. And so you and I, we have got to right now recognize that it matters the way that I look at myself and the way that I look at others. And, and there's, a, there's a fine line between, between being judgmental and being dismissive of people. I don't know how I got here, but this is kind of where I feel like God is just wanting to challenge you today that, that we can't judge people based on the way the world judges people. We can't look at people and say they're not valuable because they don't have anything to offer. But we also have got to understand that we can't be dismissive and not actually take the time to look at people in the eye and, and recognize that there's a soul in that person uh, that, that's eternal uh, and that we got to recognize uh, that, uh, that there may not be value the way the world sees it uh, but I better start recognizing uh, when God is working in somebody's life and when somebody's drawing somebody uh, and not from the outside uh, a value of the world where I say their life is becoming more of a mess uh, and they're making a mess of things uh, and so that disqualifies them but 
but maybe uh, the Lord is trying to to really adjust the way uh, that I look at people and the way that you look at people. And when I see a mess, uh, I would start to see an opportunity for God to work. Uh, I would start to realize uh, that that mess, uh, no matter how ugly it is of sin, uh, is preparing them uh, in a way uh, that perhaps uh, will make them ready for repentance, uh, will make them ready uh, to call on the name of the Lord uh, because God uh, can take messes uh, and make something beautiful out of it. I'm so thankful uh, that God doesn't measure uh, the way uh, that we measure. Uh, God said it this way. Uh, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians. Uh, I'm going to read it, verses 26 through 29. Uh, he said it this way. He said, uh, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. I'm so thankful for that. I hope you're encouraged today uh, because I know there's people at every walk of life that are in this building today uh, and you may have came in here feeling unqualified uh, because you look at everybody else uh, and you just see them clean today uh, that they probably took a shower uh, and they got dressed nice and clean and you think the rest of their life has been neat and tidy all their life but I have good news for you that that's not the truth of the story but if you knew the story behind the faces that are sitting next to you on this pew you would realize that there aren't very many that were attractive at the beginning of their walk with God to the world it wasn't because they were smart it wasn't because they were born in the right family it's not because they're of the right social standing in society or they're skilled. But the God that we serve is looking deeper than what man can see. And he's actually looking to show his glory. And so there's something special to him about people that don't have very much. There's something special to God about people that have a mess of a situation on their hands. People that don't have very much to offer. God does something powerful with that. And I want to encourage you today that if you're looking at your life, maybe it's your life as a whole and you're saying, my life has been a train wreck and there's a lot of skeletons in my closet and I don't know if God can do something with my life. I'm here to encourage you today that God specializes in looking for people that are broken and making them into something beautiful. That's the way God works. That's the way God works. There was a man when I was growing up that, uh, that, that came to the Lord. My, my father actually worked with him. He worked with him in a cabinet shop. And he was the worst guy in the whole cabinet shop, I was told. He was in and out of jail. He was doing drugs. He had a bad temper. And my, my father reached to him and nothing came of it. One day, it was about, I don't know, I think it was like four or five years later or so, by that time the man had been fired, he'd gone his merry way, and, and, and some, there was a woman that was from Texas who, who she called my father and said, my, my daughter lives in Portland, could you go and visit her? Could you go and reach out to her? And in this time frame, she'd also gone, gone to, a, um, she was a backslider and she'd gone to a, a Holy Ghost crusade uh, and been renewed in the Holy Ghost uh, and so my father went uh, and knocked on her door uh, and when she opened the door it wasn't she uh, it was the man that had, he had worked with 
And he looked at my father and he said, what are you doing here? And my dad said, what are you doing here? And my dad said, I'm here to visit Levita. Well, that was his girlfriend. And they were living together. And so my dad was able to start teaching a Bible study to him. He was, he was smoking. He was drinking. He was an angry man. And his, his life had been messed up. And, and my dad started teaching him a Bible study. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That man and that woman got married. And that man's daughter is my wife today. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, don't overlook yourself and don't overlook your neighbor. Don't overlook the troublemaker down the street. Don't overlook the person that doesn't look interested. Because those that aren't interested because they're busy in drugs and alcohol and anger, they're the most interested. They're just looking in the wrong place. They don't know where to go yet. But I have a God that is looking for a remnant. He's looking for the scraps that are on the floor. And, and we will look at it as a negative, but it's not a negative. Because God's value system is the only accurate value system. God's value system is the only value system that really matters. And so no matter what I think of an individual or my own self, if God is looking for me or that individual, then there is a priceless treasure in that individual. And God said he was looking for a remnant. You'll find it throughout the Old Testament. God always looked for the remnant. He was always looking for the outcast. I'm so thankful that God is looking for the broken. He's looking for the hurting. He's looking for the small group of people that will devote themselves to the Lord. And out of that, He's going to make something great. He's going to make something powerful. As I'm ministering in Baltimore City, I want the city of Baltimore to know the glory of God. You see, that's that's really the whole purpose of everything that I want to do is to bring glory to God. And the greatest glory God gets is when something good comes out of something that nobody else can do anything with. So I am reaching to whoever I can reach to. But there's something in my heart that God has put in my heart that I am relentlessly going to the impoverished. Because I know that God can do something great where nobody else can take glory. And so I just want to encourage you today. That as you are looking at yourself as not enough, that you would take courage that God is looking at you as an opportunity. He's looking at you as a place to show his love and to see a return that he could never get anywhere else. When I think of the people that I, I reach to, and I, I, like I said, I don't. I'll go. I'll, I'll go to the rich. I'll go to uh, the middle class. Uh, but I, I'm not going to just do that. Uh, there's something about desperation that gets the the eye of God, and uh, and uh, wherever somebody is, uh, the reality is is that God only changes somebody's life. God only sets somebody free from their sin. Uh, God. Only 
only delivers, God only heals when at some point the journey gets to a brick wall and that individual realizes that God is the only answer, that Jesus is the only answer for their life. As long as there's another option on the table in their mind, God will not work in their life. As long as they feel like they're okay and making it on their own, God will not work in their life because they won't invite him to work in their life. He won't, they won't call on him in desperation. I think of, of the times in the scripture where Jesus was walking and I always think of blind Bartimaeus. He was blind and he was on the side of the road and he heard that Jesus was walking by. And so he cried out and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody around him said, be quiet. You're distracting. You're, you're embarrassing. You're disturbing him. And the Bible says that he cried out all the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And God, it blessed, stopped right where he was. And he said, bring that man to me. And he said, what do you want from me? And he said, oh, that I could be made whole. And he said, your faith has made you whole. That's the way that Jesus works. Is He says, waiting for a desperation inside of you and I. And so I'm here. I don't know who I'm talking to today but I'm here to remind you that God is responding to need he responds to the emptiness he responds to brokenness he responds to desperation he responds to pain he responds to loneliness he responds to sin because God is not looking for somebody that can make him better he's looking to make better himself of what he already can do. That's the way that our God works. That's the way Jesus works. The remnant that everybody passes over, that's the one that God is looking for. That's the one that God is looking for. He's looking for those that are passed over. I'm so thankful that that's the way that Jesus works as he looks for those that are passed over. I'm so thankful that God works that way. When I think of some of the people that are coming to the Way Church in Baltimore, they're the people that nobody else thought anything of. They're the people that nobody else would would put value on. I think of the one woman. I, 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 forgive me, Lord, that I've forgotten at times. You know, sometimes I get discouraged about what God's doing, not because He's not doing anything, but because I have. This uh, idea of what should be being done uh, and when and how, but I, I forgot uh, one time somebody was asking me about uh, what God was doing, and I forgot about one woman uh, that is so uh, miraculous what God is doing in her life, uh, and uh, and she uh, she's the I mentioned her if you were at Go Conference uh, last week, uh, but she uh, she was uh, she's on drugs. And when she called me, she got a flyer. I don't, I didn't, I don't even know how she got the flyer, but she got a flyer that had her phone number on it. And and what we had on there because we were going to Penn North, we were these were specifically we were going to the drug infested, the the most where all the drugs are being routed through Penn North in Baltimore City. And and we said, are you tired of brokenness? Are you tired of addiction? Are you tired? of the cycle of pain Jesus is the answer and she called me and she wouldn't give me her name because she didn't trust me and she just said I just want you to tell me I don't want I just want to hear what you have to say and I don't remember what I said but it was enough for her to say I'll meet with you and I met with her and she was when when she came she was on drugs and she was nodding off in our conversation and and as, as she told me just enough of her story i found out she was a backslidden apostolic
And I prayed with her and I gave her some scriptures and I sent her on her way. She said, I've been delivered from drugs once before, but I keep going back and I don't know why I'm going back. But she described her repentant heart when God delivered her the first time. And she said she just wasn't there yet. And I said, well, you've got to be at the end of yourself and ready to give everything to God for Him to deliver you. We met again the next week in the same situation and then I didn't hear from her for four months and I got a phone call and she said pastor I'm clean and you're and you're going to be my pastor because you're the only one who believed in me When I know the story of, of this wonderful lady, she's been transformed. You know, I, I, there's the greatest miracle I've ever seen, I think, in one individual's com, com, uh, complexion. Uh, that she, she glows now because God has begun to heal her. Because not only, uh, not only was there the drug issue, uh, but she had been neglected and abused by her family. Uh, she had been passed over. She was the reason of her own family but God doesn't look at people that way he looks at people through the eyes of purpose and through the eyes of love and through the eyes of redemption and so God is looking at those that everybody else says are not enough and he's saying that's who I choose and so today as you stand in this place I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to work and I know that we're at different places in our life but I want to encourage you to take some time in this time of worship to say God would you put into my heart and into my mind a perspective that you have for people and that if that's you today I feel this very strongly that there's some people in this place today that the biggest problem you have is with yourself you can look at other people, no matter how bad their situation, and you can see hope for them. But when you look at yourself, you say, God can't do anything with this. And today, I have come here to let you know that God is looking at you. And you have been standing on the backstop waiting your turn to be picked it felt like you were the last to be picked but god is standing here right now and you are not the last to be picked he has been looking for you for a long time and been saying you are chosen by me and so as these altars are open, I just want to encourage you that you would come if you feel like you have nothing left to give to God. That's exactly where God wants you. And if perhaps there's somebody on your mind that is in your neighborhood or at your workplace that you have been passing over because you felt like it's a hopeless situation, I'm here to tell you that it is not hopeless. That God is looking to work in their life. Hallelujah. I, I'm not good at closings in a perfect way, but I'm just asking you right now, if you're something coming in your heart to say, God, you can do something with nothing. And so, God, I want to be that nothing. I want to be that open, broken vessel. I want to see your work done. That you would just begin to call to the Lord whether it's up here or, or right in your seat, uh, that the Lord uh, would begin to work in your life, uh, that you would have just enough faith to say, Jesus, use me. Jesus, work in my life. Turn to the end of yourself. To 
Yeah. 